The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The human mind, body, emotions, and spirit are more powerful than anyone can imagine, and we can learn to use them in new and powerful ways to create the life we've always dreamed of. On our program today, with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon, we'll address who you are, how to come to know what you believe and why, how to accept and love yourself, and how you can make changes that help you create the empowered, happy, successful life you want. Now, here's your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon. We're broadcasting as usual from Fountain Hills, Arizona, and today is one of those glorious days that makes us know exactly why we live here. The show is brought to you today by Valenta Slim Roast Coffee, the easiest, most delicious, and most effective way to lose weight. No kidding. No restrictive dieting. For more information, go to the self-improvement blog and click on the cup of coffee in the right sidebar while you're there. Look at our guest picture and read his bio because you're going to want to know who he is. There's a lot of people around who love animals, and I'm one of them. I have a dog named Smarty. We've talked about Smarty before. He was named by my grandson when he was a two-month-old puppy. I found him at PetSmart. I'd gone to the kennel just to visit while my son was buying crickets for the frogs, and I said, no, I, I won't get anything but there he was you know he he was mine from the first look and that was almost four years ago now smarty has become my best friend and we have great long conversations about god and politics and current affairs and he never gets out of shape about anything i say he just listens sometimes he goes to sleep Now, we go to the dog park every day. When I moved to Fountain Hills, I discovered the dog park, and it's a wonderful place. Smarty plays, and I walk around the park until I've made it for a mile and a half, so we both get something from it. He has best friends. I didn't know dogs had best friends, but he does. There's a Portuguese water dog named Kona. There's a golden retriever who slobbers all over everybody. His name is Chance. And there's a German shepherd named Buster who never stops running, and Smarty's right in there with them. Now, some of the people who come there have several dogs, and some have cats at home as well and other kinds of little critters. And there's a lot of love and conversation exchange there between animals and people, and and, we, we all love it every day we're there. When I saw the book, There's a Hamster in the Dashboard, A Life in Pets, I knew I had to have the author on this show. It's time again to talk about animals and what they give us, what they teach us, and how they enrich our lives. David Berner is an award-winning author, journalist, and broadcaster. 
His first book, Accidental Lessons, was awarded the 2011 Royal Dragonfly Grand Prize for Literature. Imagine winning a prize for your very first book. His book, Any Road Will Take You There, won the 2013 Book of the Year Award from Chicago, for the Chicago's Writer Association for Non-Traditional Nonfiction. He was named the Ernest Hemingway Writer in Residence for 2015-16, and I think that is probably a most coveted award. His broadcast reporting and documentary work have been heard on CBS radio and on public radio stations across America. David also teaches at Columbia College Chicago, and most importantly, he loves animals. David, welcome to the Self-Improvement Show. It's such a delight to have you here. Thank you, Irene. Such uh, sweet words. Nice little story there about your dog, too. And and every time I, you know, I feel humbled by hearing the bio that uh, I'm sure was written by a, a publicist somewhere. <laughs> I got it right off of your book. <laughs> yeah, um, but it, 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 it humbles me because, uh, you know, there's a lot of people out there doing things that are you know, wonderful things and never get recognized. So um, it uh, it always humbles me when I hear that, and I'm, and I'm privileged to be able to be here and be able to talk about the book. Well, I, I'm delighted to have you here. And, and I'm going to ask you that question that some people have come to dread, but um, it's an important question. Tell us about yourself. Who is David Berner? Wow, I just feel like I've walked into a therapy session here. Um, <laughs> well, you haven't. But but. but, but you know, that's a question I think that we we all want answers to, uh, and 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 it's okay if we go. Th- I think it's okay if we go through life still trying to figure that out. As I long think as we, we know change so core. often, we're always having to do it again. Yeah, and, and you know, it's okay to reinvent yourself too. Um, I uh, there was an old friend on uh, Facebook who reached out to me I hadn't seen in many many years. And said, "Boy, it's been." I said to him, "Boy, it's been a long time." And he said, uh, "Yeah, that was three lives ago." And that yeah. kind of says a lot about me. Um, I've been through many different phases in my life, and um, I think that's one of the things that has kept me uh, sort of above the water, if you will. Um, so, to answer your question, I grew up in Pennsylvania. I grew up just outside of Pittsburgh. Um, I have a sister. I had, you know. Grew up in a very sort of working class family. Uh, loved the the hills and beautiful nature of Pennsylvania, especially Western Pennsylvania, uh, and that was a little bit in my blood. Um, I I always wanted to be on the radio. I don't know where that came from. I don't know what that was about. Uh, I think it might have had something a little to do with the music that I was listening to. I was a musician, so um, maybe it came from that. So I got on the radio, I got lucky enough to do that, and that became my career for a long time, and I still do some of that work now. But I've always been, I've always taught also, too, a little bit on the side, mostly at the college level. And um, I love that. I love the, the, the give and take, I love the challenges of a classroom. Um, so, um, but I've always been a storyteller. Um, when I look back at myself and I realized if somebody asked me who I was, as you are asking me now, and who I am. I think, in, in, in essence, I, I'm a storyteller. From the moment I delivered newspapers as a you know ten year old boy, when there were uh, newspaper boys back then, um, you know I delivered newspapers and I would sit and read read the paper, and <laughs> the yeah. papers would be late, you know, because I was too busy reading stories. Um, 
So, I, and I've always wanted to tell stories in many different forms, and I've been lucky enough to do that in terms of telling stories through music, telling stories through the radio, reporting, and, and the book. So I think, uh, you know, if I really had to tear it down to who I really am, I'm a storyteller. But I have many other things, too. I'm a father. I'm a, I'm a you know, a friend. I, I try to be. Um, uh, I'm uh, And I'm a pet lover. So... All those things. And, and that's why you're here, and we're so delighted about that. But you've done an awful lot of other things, and I want to talk a little bit about some of those. You know, obviously, you love words. You know, I'm in love with words. I didn't know that until I got a little older, but words fascinate me. How did you know? You always wanted to be on the radio, but how did you know you had a talent for writing? And did you have to do anything to develop that, or did you just sit down and write? Well, I know that I just sat down and write, but they, but it didn't come easily, and I'm still learning. Um, I think a, a writer who tells you that they're you know they've reached where they need to go is probably telling you a big fib. I agree. Um, I, I I think that. Um, you know, when I look at old, not necessarily manuscripts, but maybe journal entries I made 20, 30 years ago, I cringe. Um, and I also cringe when I hear old, you know, tapes of myself on the radio 20, 30 years ago, too. So we all develop and we all learn, and I think I'm always still learning. I'm, I'm, um, I'm still trying to figure that out. But I knew that I liked words and I liked telling the stories in whatever fashion that would be, be writing them or or speaking the stories, or even musically, um, I knew that, I think I knew that um, intuitively when I started to become very involved with music, and the music that I sort of was in my coming-of-age music, um, the lyrics of, of, of Bob Dylan, of the Beatles, of those people who were trying to say something different than, you know, the doobie-doobie-doos of the 50s, and I think that that really made an impact on me, and that people were trying to say something meaningful in popular music. Yes. Uh, and I think that that was the basis of it. And then I wanted to try to do something. I wanted to write words and lyrics. I wanted to tell a story. I wanted to, uh, you know, I was, for what it was worth, I was, you know, in drama and theater groups in college, or in college and high school. Uh, I wasn't very good, but I still, in a way, had to, you know, had to tell a story. So if I had to find the place where I knew that I loved words and that words would be part of my life, it was probably through the music that I listened to. And did you, you know, how far did you take your music? Because it sounds like you, you, you had an instrument of some kind. You were well, involved I played guitar. In I took some piano lessons when I was younger. I also played the trombone, for goodness sake. I remember uh, the in, story in the about school, the trombone case. Yeah, yeah. in the school, in, uh, in the school band, um, I was never a very good trombone player. Uh, I was never a very good piano player. I can accompany people pretty well, but if somebody asked me to sit down and, you know, play a song, uh, I would struggle. Um, but I played guitar, and I, I was never, you know, really outstanding at it, but I had enough there that I could, uh, you know, play in a band, and then I wrote some songs, and, you know, ironically, about a year ago, and I actually have written some, uh, a little bit about this, and hope to develop it into a lengthy manuscript, uh, about a year ago, um, out of a total whim, I entered a songwriting contest um, that was a regional contest in, in, uh, in uh, on the East Coast, and I just did it on a whim, and um, I got chosen as one of the finalists and had to go there to perform it. 
And I hadn't performed literally without just friends around a campfire in that way for probably 20 years. You wrote lyrics and the music? Right. And so, um, you know, my significant other and I jumped in the car and we drove to Virginia and uh, it turned into quite an experience. I didn't win anything, but I was a finalist. And uh, it was it was it was like you know reliving those old rock and roll days of mine in a way. And it's a but lot it was, of fun. Yeah, you think about some and of the music. So, I, I put a quote on the on the blog every day. You know, I go searching for a quote that I like, and it's amazing how many of them come from John Lennon that oh, are man. right from the music that he wrote when he was with the Beatles or, and after. Uh, and some profound quotes that he sure. made. And if you study some of the music, you know, if you really hear what they're saying, you know, there's some there's some profound wisdom in the lyrics. No, I agree with you, and I think that's where a lot of it came from for me, at least at the beginning. Now. You know, I don't consider myself any great songwriter in the world, certainly not, but, but I have fun with it, and I play around with it now, now and then. Um, but you asked about, you know, how far did you take the music? You know, I played in a band in college. I played a little bit after college. I, you know, I played a few what you would call in the, in the old way, uh, you know, coffee houses, that kind of thing with acoustic guitar. But I haven't done much of that lately. I mean, I play around, and I still keep up with playing a little bit, but um, it, it was never really, a, you know, a sort of... Um, vocation. Uh, it was very much a hobby. It's time for us to go to break. Before we do that, I want you to tell us how can people find you? They can look at you while we're on break. Uh, how can people oh, find sure. you? Uh, you, know, um, you know, these days you just Google people, so you can easily exactly. do that. Um, but um, my my website is David W. Burner. There's another David Burner out there. I believe he's a motivational speaker of some kind, but that's not me. Um, I'm the bald one. There's a guy with hair. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, on right. that uh, note, but, David but W. Burner. You can find Burner. me pretty easily uh, on that website. Yeah. That's cool. DavidWBurner.com. It's time for us to go to break. We'll be right back. So stay tuned for more with David Burner. Build your better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. When you think of inspiring women, who comes to mind? Is it a visionary like Oprah Winfrey? Political or legal figures like Hillary Clinton or Sonia Sotomayor? Or how about entrepreneurial business leaders like Meg Whitman? No matter whom you might be thinking of, make sure to add one more to that list. Deanne DeMarco. She's the host of Today's Inspiring Women. Each week, Deanne turns you on to the next rising star in business and leadership and what their successes and challenges have been. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. 
Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to The Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to The Self-Improvement Show. Our guest today is David Berner. We're going to be talking about his new book, There's a Hamster in the Dashboard, A Life in Pets. Let me tell you, don't tell anybody that I said this to you, but I'm going to be using this book for my Christmas gift to everybody who loves pets. This is what they're going to get. There's a hamster in the dashboard because it is so warm. It is so good. I've loved this book. I, I would encourage all of you who have pets to to go to Amazon and get it. You can get it as a Kindle. You can get it as a hardcover. Uh, I don't know about hardcover, uh, paperback certainly, but you know it's just such delightful reading. And I I encourage all of you to pick up this book. It's an easy read. It's a quick read, but it's very heartwarming. David, you've written some serious books. What made you want to write about pets? Well, you know, in a lot of ways, I see this as a little bit of a serious book, too. Now, I know that there are stories in there that will make people laugh and and make them, uh, you know, feel a sense of wonder, maybe, too. But I hope so. But, um, you know, I, I, I took this project on as, as being kind of a serious look in a way. In a subtle way, though, not a heavy-handed way. And I, I'm certainly not an expert on pets. I'm certainly not an expert on, you know, um, you know self-awareness or therapy or anything like that. I'm, I'm just a writer. But I know that the, the pets in my life have made an impact. Now, I, I say that with a little bit of an asterisk in that, uh, you know, I've made mistakes. I'm not a perfect pet owner, and I think that comes out in the book. But um, I, I also see it as I didn't want this book to turn into a sentimentalized sort of book. There's a lot of and very good ones too, but there's a lot of books out there about pets that are very sentimental. And I, I didn't want that to be like this. I wanted it to have sort of a heartfelt um, angle to it, but I didn't want it to turn into um, a very, you know, and I mean this respectfully, but sort of a, a bad Lifetime movie. You oh, know what I, I mean? agree with you, yes. Yeah. And I really didn't, and I really didn't want that to happen. I hope that didn't happen. So I, I look, it didn't I happen for me. Um, you know, I saw a lot of wisdom in the book. Well, I'm glad. Thank you for that. That's very sweet of you to say. Um, but I, I came at it seriously, and I, I had a collection of like stories that I had written, things that some had been published, some not, um, about pets and things like that, and and they had a little bit of a. A bigger picture story behind them it wasn't just a story about a pet. Um, and um, a publisher here in Chicago had published my um, my book, Any Road Will Take You There, which is a, a memoir about a road trip I took with my sons. And 
uh, he read that and liked it and said, I, you know, I really like this and I, I really would like to read the essays. And we, we really thought hard about what that book would be about and what it would really, in a bigger picture, be about. Um, and, and I, I really wanted to get across the idea that, you know, pets are part of our lives. They teach us things that, um, we may not even realize. Uh, at the time, and that, yes, they're sweet and they're lovable and they're wonderful to play with, but they're also animals on this earth that mean something other than just go get the ball and I'm going to take you for a walk. And I think there was something deeper in there, but I didn't want to do it in a heavy-handed way. So um, I, I don't know if that answered your question, but I, but I really I really, really went at it with, at that angle. So... And I appreciate that angle, and I appreciate, even though you didn't beat anybody over the head with it, but the responsibility that you have in terms of your pet to take good care of them, to, you know, to see that they get the right care, to see that they get the attention that they need. You didn't preach about it, but it's all in there. And, you know, I, I guess... I'm thinking of that because there's a the dog well, there's a new dog at the dog park, I guess I could say, yeah. who was chained up all his life. They had him here in Arizona in this brutal heat. He never got to go in. Um, and finally, the couple divorced, and he got left um, pretty much all by himself and until the, the mother of the the husband realized that this dog was not getting cared for, and she had them come and take him. Mm-hmm. And one of the ladies at the dog park adopted him, and he's this absolutely gorgeous golden retriever who just bounces all over everybody. He really needs some obedience classes, but he's just so excited that the life he has now. Yeah, I mean, bet. it's like he's telling yeah. everybody, "Look at me! Look at me!" Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm I'm fresh from from getting to know this dog who was just really abandoned for most of his life. Yeah. That, you know, it's in my heart to say, hey, people, if you're going to have a pet, for goodness sakes, you know, take care of it. Some of us spoil our pets to death, but that's yeah. okay, yeah. too. Um, they're in a lot of ways a mirror, you know, they're sort of a reflection of ourselves um, in a lot of ways. Um, and I and I think there were some there's some stories in this uh, in this book of essays that are that are that do that, that kind of they kind of turn the mirror on us and tell us who we are. Um, they catch us being human is one of the things that I've explained. You know, they, they, they really catch us being human. And that means though, the good and the bad and the ugly of being human too. So, um, they're just so, especially dogs, they're just so honest. Um, yeah. yeah. And they're so intuitive and they're so sensitive. Some people don't believe that, but I totally believe they know what kind of, feeling you're involved in at the time yeah you know it's it's funny i i was having this sort of uh friendly argument the other day um with a friend of mine about um whether dogs actually have a high level of emotional um degrees you know whether you know like like do they have jealousy you know that sort of thing uh, i'd uh, say yes on that one yeah and my my reproach was was that i don't think they necessarily have the high level of jealousy but they know what they want and if you want to call that jealousy then you know that's that's fine 
Um, but but uh, they do have empathy, and I believe that one. Not only for us or for their owners or for other people, but for other dogs. Um, I had the dog. Well, there's a dog in the book, Mike. Right. Oh, that that was my favorite dog, I think, Mike. Yeah, well, Mike passed away about six months ago. Mm. Uh, just old age. Had a, is some other issues that I won't get into, but just an old dog. And I, we had another dog in the family, and they had become friends over time. They were both older dogs. And when Mike was in her last days and kind of in the, you know, the corner of the kitchen on a blanket, this other dog, who is not the necessarily the most cuddly dog in the world, but um, sat at the edge of the kitchen the entire time and sort of just wanted to be there where Mike was. And I had never seen that before with these dogs. And that dog sort of knew. It, it, she had the, he, he had the empathy for Mike. Um, I firmly believe that. And how never, was she when when Mike died? Did she, she mourn she because just, animals she, do? Yeah, she kind of stayed there at the corner of the kitchen and sort of just, you know, was silent and 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 still. And that dog had never really done that before. Um, so I don't know what that is. If it's just some kind of instinct or some high level of emotion, I don't know. But there was something there. There's no question in my mind because the dog well, has never was, reacted that way. I was surprised to find out that dogs have what I call BFFs. You know, they have best friends. Yeah. I was not aware of that until we went to the dog park. You know, some of them will never play with with uh, with each other. You know, right. and there's dogs as soon as they're in, all the dogs run to play. It, it's just really an interesting study for me to watch the the interaction of the dogs and the people right. at the dog park because there's a lot of them there. Yeah. And, and you can see the dogs. You can almost see the dogs who are just so happy to be there and see the other dogs and play and run. And, and then there are some that just sort of sit by their owner and never get out and mix with the other dogs. They just yeah. don't do it. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I think sometimes that's a reflection of the owner too. Not 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 necessarily a bad thing, but just like if if the owner tends to be an outgoing social person, then maybe the dog is, and if the person is more um, introverted, uh, then maybe the dog is. Um, I hadn't thought about that. I'll have to pay more attention to the owner. Yeah, I, I'm not so sure if I'm right about that, but I do I do think that maybe sometimes there is something to that. You know how we always have joked in a, about how the owners and their dogs kind of look alike sometimes. They do um, too, don't they? Yeah, uh, maybe there's maybe there's something to that too. I mean, I'm I'm guessing. I don't know that. I'm certainly not a dog behaviorist. But no, um, nor am yeah. I. I just I I just really I love them. I I enjoy them. You had the dog almost from the time you were you can remember. Didn't oh you? yeah, Did- yeah. There was a period when I was in college where I didn't have one, um, but my very first dog was actually given to me when I was very small um, by my grandfather, uh, who was a big animal person. And uh, Sally was her name. She was a collie, and um, I I remember her, you know, 
very, very well. Uh, she was my companion when I was a little boy. Um, very, very strong uh, connection with her. I love the story about how she kept you safe when you were wandering down the street as a tiny oh, yeah. toddler with nothing on. And I love <laughs> that story because my oldest did the same thing, only we didn't have a dog to rescue him. How he got out of the house so fast, I have no idea. How he got himself undressed, I have no idea. But the neighbor girl brought him back. And I'm thinking, boy, you were really lucky to have that dog. And I loved that story. Yeah, you know, there's a, there's a, I I wanted that story to have an innocence because it was a different time. Um, I think if if today, if we saw a a little boy, toddler kind of, walking down the street naked, we'd be calling the authorities. Oh, Child uh, Protective Services would have the child. Yeah, it, it's just a different time. There was a, there was a different sort of innocence about that time um, that I wanted to convey a little bit through that also. Um, th- that would be a very different story now. It would be a totally different story. Yeah. And it's time on that story for us to go to break. We'll be right back with more of these wonderful stories about Pets with David Berner, so stay tuned. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. Every one of us confronts challenges that rock our world to the core, making us confused and disoriented, not knowing which way is up. On The Mother Rising, host Margaret Jacobson will nourish that spark that enlivens. You will be both empowered and inspired to create the changes leading you on your path to your own true freedom. Discover your worth and what you are capable of. Tune into The Mother Rising every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. When is the last time you saw sparkles of life in your day? Each day holds a treasure, the extra in the ordinary. It is too easy to miss them because they're familiar and we take them for granted. If you want to add sparkle to your day, listen to Mighty Gems, spotlighting everyday jewels with Dee Lee. She offers a new way to view the world and to discover your own Mighty Gems in daily life. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to The Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to The Self-Improvement Show. Our guest today is David Berner. We're talking about... Pets, especially about dogs. He's written a book called There's a Hamster in the Dashboard, which is a delightful little story. And I really want to ask you about that one because mo- most of the pets in the book are dogs. Um, yes. But you, you named the book 
after I after I well, you name the book title it after a hamster and a story. Tell us about Mo and why you named this book after him. I loved this story. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I think uh, many of us know, if you're a parent, you certainly know this, that you kind of go through um, the process sometimes with pets of starter pets in a way. Um, oh, and yeah. when my when my two uh, sons were younger, uh, we did the hamster route for a while. And we got what was called a black bear hamster. And if you know anything about hamsters, this is a, a hamster that really does look like a little black bear. Oh, they're um, cute. Yeah, it's very. They're very cute. They're very. You know, they're very friendly. They tend to be nocturnal, but not always. Um, but uh, because it was a starter pet, and because it was sort of the introduction to taking care of a pet and 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 showing. Um, uh, the right kind of care for a pet uh, for my kids. I thought it was the right story to sort of base the book around in that, you know, the introduction sort of to, to the pet world for someone. Um, and uh, Mo really did end up in a dashboard. So um, that, that, you know, people say to me, oh, that's a funny title. I go, well, it, you, um, thank you for that. But it's also true. Um, and it's about, uh, you know, them sort of understanding uh, that the pet is not forever, that they believe that at that moment when the pet, uh, when the Mo kind of got away in the car, that there was a chance that they would lose him and that he would be gone uh, or they would, you know, God forbid, die. And it was their moment of sort of understanding, oh, wow, this is a real living thing. This isn't just a toy. Um, and I think that that's, kind of what I wanted to say in that particular story and that I also wanted the book to sort of be about that in a lot of ways these are are uh, another living uh, entity in the world and they're with us and they're not just our uh, possessions. And they're, they're not, not a just, play toy. Yeah, and they're not a play toy. And I think in a lot of ways that story that moment for my kids was their moment of saying, "Oh wow, that this is this is not a play toy." And um, they were and really that, upset about the thought that maybe he wouldn't be found. Right. Yeah. And you know, you can almost feel how they were feeling. Let's talk a little bit about your sons. You have two sons. In fact, didn't you write the book "Any Road Will Take You There" uh, about? Uh, I, with your I sons? did. I dedicated it to them. Um, uh, the story is about a road trip that uh, um, they came along with me and a friend of mine uh, that we took that was at a time in my life where um, where I was kind of considering what was next. And uh, I had reread uh, Jack Kerouac's On the Road to sort of uh, give me a little bit of uh, uh, just, just a sense of wonder and a sense of risk-taking. Uh, you know, while I was in my 40s, which is not the most risk-taking time for most people. No. Um, and I and I wanted to sort of just rejuvenate that that sort of wonder of that of that of the chance of what could be next, of what could can be. Uh, and that book was important to me, in in some ways, and in, in in a lot of ways, in other aspects. When I was a young man, when I was a teenager, so I I saw that book as a book that I wanted to kind of go back to. So I reread the book and I thought, wow, wouldn't it be cool to go and actually go on some of the places where he was that he used in the book. And I had some time and we did it in the summer and uh, took my kids and it turned into a book that was really about fathers and sons. 
Um, uh, and it turned into a, a really a lot deeper book than I thought it was going to be when I first started. And part of that came from a photograph that was found in my mother's house that was buried in a drawer that I had never seen before. Um, and it was a remarkable photograph. It was four generations of men. It was my great-great-grandfather, my great-grandfather, my, my dad, and me. And it, I'd never seen it before, and I wondered why it was stuck in a drawer and not out somewhere, because it was so remarkable. Um, and then my mother unfolded a story about the, the difficulties that uh, were in my family concerning the, the fathers and the sons. And it made me start to really think about, wow, I mean, you know, is that DNA in me? Am I going to have that issue with my kids? And um, I started to rethink, you know, the, the sort of relationship between fathers and sons. And, um, I, you know, uh, I'm still trying to figure that one out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, we had are, Bill you know? Keen and his son on some um, a month or so ago, and you know they had quite a story as well. And, and it, it, fathers and sons, mothers and daughters, all have something of a struggle yeah. because two men can't be in charge of the same house, and two women can't either. And at some point, your boys become men, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and and you you know. Interesting things happen, I guess, is the best way yeah. to say it. Yeah, so the story is really a road trip story, but it's more a sort of a road trip through the generations of fathers and sons, too. It sounds like another good book for Christmas. Any well, I would hope so, either. and I think, um, you know, uh, the, the publicists and publishers will tell you that men don't read. <laughs> but I think this book is something that, uh, you know, I would hope that even women would find very interesting, even though it's a, a sort of man's story. I well, a it, word to men, yeah. you can get this on a Kindle, and it will read it to you. Yeah, yeah, that's true, <laughs> right. And <laughs> put it in the car, yeah. and here it is. <laughs> oh, dear. One of the things you talk about is that you think it's important for children to grow up around pets. Not only that, but you say it's important to not have just a family pet, but to let them have their very own pet. Now, why do you say that? Yeah, um, because when it's a family pet, especially I think when children are younger, they don't accept or understand the total responsibility um, that that involves. Um, So when it becomes their pet, then it is more their responsibility. And, And even if they make mistakes, I think that's that's great. Uh, both of my sons have their own dogs right now, 25- and 24-year-old men who have their own dogs. One of them still lives at home with, uh, with mom uh, while he's going to school and doing some other things. The, my other son lives in Seattle, and they both have dogs. Uh, and they are their dogs. And um, I think it's made them, you know, this may be a statement full of a lot of hyperbole, but I think it's made them better men. I really do. Um, better people. And, um, and and I think that comes from having your own pet, not a pet that's shared in a way. So um, See, I, w- I would totally agree with you. Um, my kids both had their own dogs. You know, one would take care of it and the other one didn't do so well. Yeah. Uh, we won't say which kid did what. <laughs> uh, you know, but... But they learn a lot from pets. What are some of the things that you think your sons learned 
from having pets. I know the responsibility of taking care of of something. But what else do you think they learn from having You know, pets? I, I think that you, you know, I, I'm sure there's a lot of things they learn. But I think one of the things that I, I think pets help both of them do is it helps. And I, I just know this anecdotally. I don't mean this for everybody, but I see this in my own son. So maybe it, it, it's true for a lot of other people. I think them having their own pets has allowed them to understand themselves a lot better. Um, and that's tough when you're 22 and 25. I don't. I think that's a tough age to figure out what's next and who you are. Um, and I think that those pets allow them to do that. I think my... My older son has um, learned to be uh, more, not to say that he wasn't giving before, but more giving of his space and time and, and uh, emotions uh, because of the dog. Um, I think my younger son, who has always been a very sort of emotional, out front sort of personality, has... Um, uh, in a lot of ways, learned how to be, um, well, let's put it this way. He was always what they call a, uh, what's the term they uh, call someone who is a, you know, a caregiver, you know, and would always, um, with his friends and family and everybody, would sort of give a lot of himself mm-hmm. and then be a detriment to his own self because he was so giving, right? He wasn't taking care of himself, but he's taking care of everybody else. I, I think that the dog, in a lot of ways, has helped him to see that, you know, I, I can still care for something, but I don't have to give up of myself. And I think the dog has allowed that because the dog doesn't, um, the dog doesn't do what a lot of humans do, which is sort of like not, um, not be um, uh, appreciative of what the giving has done for them. You know, some of us don't think about that, or we miss that, or we, we don't say thank you, or we don't say, hey, I really appreciate your help with this. We just kind of take it. Uh, dogs don't do that. They do show you that they're, that they're thankful. And, and they don't get way. mad at you if you forget to, to you know, do yeah, something that exactly. you... Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I think, in, to answer your question, I think a lot of them, both of them have not necessarily learned something, but have allowed parts of their personality to develop in a very positive way. How do you think pets improve our lives, whether we're a kid or an older person, you know, middle age? I think pets improve our lives, and I think you agree with that. But what are some of the ways you see that they do? Well, for you know, I can only speak of the things that I've been through with pets. You know, again, I'm, I'm certainly not a dog behaviorist in any way, but I do truly believe that, you know, they can be such great friends in that, they are, and you hear this so much, but it's so true, especially dogs. They can be, they are just, not. You know, there's no conditions to the relationship. Nope. I, totally. I talk about unconditional love. Yeah. That's what uh, you and, get. And, and you hear that a lot, but I think you hear it a lot because it's so true. Um, so they can really help. I, I And I truly believe that. That pets, um, and I think there's been some studies on this. I'm not sure of that, but I think there have been. That people who are who either live alone or older people may not have as many family and friends around anymore. They the pets allow them to live longer, healthier lives. I totally agree with that. I got smarty when I was living with my son, but we both we decided that it was time that he does not live with mom. 
And I have my own place now, and I have my dog. And I honestly don't know what I'd do without him. I mean, he is such great company. Yeah, and I and I think that that you know we're all we all have times in our lives or parts of our personalities where we're we're either you know feel alone in in whatever way that may be or or you know we want to be alone with our own thoughts and that dog or that cat even um, I think helps to allow us to do that without feeling sort of um, you know out of place or out of sorts about it. Uh, okay. I agree. I, I moved to a new town and a new place. I didn't. I my youngest son lives here. I didn't know anybody out here, but because of Smarty, I have a whole new group of friends. You know, I'm I'm doing much more activity than I did before. Uh, my, he, he really has enriched my life in more ways than just having somebody with me. I can believe it's, that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just the fact that uh, you know you're you're out there walking in the dog park is, is walking in the dog park. On yeah. that note, we're going to walk right into a break. This is Irene Conlon with my guest David Berner saying, "Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more." Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. It's time to access your magic. Tune in each week to Living in the Magic of Possibilities with your host, Glenice Hughes. Our topics cover finances, personal health, business, relationships, mediumship, and so much more. If you want to access all that is possible in your life, listen to Glenice and her expert guests who've turned the impossible into the possible. Living in the Magic of Possibilities is heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to The Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back. This is Irene Conlon. My guest today is David Berner. He's the author of There's a Hamster in the Dashboard, A Life in Pets. Take a look at his website. You'll see some of his other books. I think when you've re- read about the hamster, you're going to want to read those as well. Uh, so, you know, the, if you didn't hear the link, go to the self-improvement blog. The link is on the blog. Uh, take a look. One of the things you say, and this is when you're a teenager and you've been throwing snowballs at cars, you say, being an adult 
takes the fun out of things. Now that you're older, do you really believe that? <laughs> well, I think it takes, uh, well, I, I think in some ways it does. Uh, and here's what I mean. I think that sometimes all the knowledge, you know, the, it, it, you could use the old adage of ignorance is bliss. So I think the, sometimes the more we know, the more we become um, uh, cautious, super cautious, um, the more we know. And I think sometimes it's good to step out of that. It's good to take a risk. It's good to make a mistake. It's good to walk on coals. You know what I mean? Um, as an adult. And I don't think enough of us do that. Um, and I don't mean put yourself in danger. But I mean press yourself out of the everyday. Um, and I think when we're a kid, you know, we all believe we're immortal. And we, and we don't care things. what anybody else is thinking about us either. Yeah, well, that's true, too. <laughs> um, but I think when you're a kid, you, you tend to push the envelope a little bit. And um, some of us have pushed it farther than others, further than others. Nice. And uh, maybe that's not so great, but I do think that taking a risk. I, I'll give you a little story. I have, you know, I mentioned I have two boys. You brought that up. And they're very different in their personalities. They have um, some things that are very similar. But yet one, when he was growing up, uh, was much more cautious, much more analytical, much more thoughtful um, uh, when he was growing up. And the other was really sort of reckless abandon in a way. Um, And the older one, who was more cautious, I used to say to him, you need to go play in traffic. (laughs) <laughs> and and he would say to me, what are you talking about, Dad? And I would say, I, I need you to go make a mistake. I need, I need you to go do something you don't want to tell your parents you did. And I, and I, and I meant that in a very loving, sort of caring way. I, I wanted you to go push it. Find out what that feels like. Okay. The other one, I needed to pull back from that, but there's a meet, there's a happy ground in there somewhere. We're taking that risk, and I think this is to your to the question you asked. The taking that risk and pushing yourself to places maybe you're not familiar with, or you're maybe a little bit afraid to go to, for whatever reason, I think is exhilarating. It's it's part of what makes us who we are, and I think that's what I really mean by adult being adult takes the fun out of things because I think we start to become feel like we need to be so responsible, so cautious that and somewhere along the way we get the idea that we have to be very very close to perfect. Yeah. Well, we don't, but yeah. um Oh, I think we learn much more from our mistakes than we do from the things we do perfect. Well, I totally agree with you. I, I don't believe in perfection. I, I've let all of that go, and life is much better once you get there. Um, yeah. wh- one of the, the quotes I keep coming across often is to the something like, you know, sing like nobody's listening, dance like nobody's watching you, right. you know. You know, just loosen up and enjoy what's going on around you. Right, because everybody else who's everybody else who is making, who who may be criticizing you for singing too loud or dancing out in public, wants to be able to do that, and they're they're just they don't. But by you doing it, they feel worse because they can't do it. They can't do it. Yeah, you'd think they'd just want to join in. Yeah. You know, we've been talking about pets. 
well, that's what, what we and that's what the book is about. Pets. Do you think everybody can be a good pet owner? Uh, probably not. I mean, that's just a gut reaction. Um, I, um, you know, I, um, I know I've heard other people say this, but I think I heard Bill Murray actually say this most recently that he doesn't trust anybody that doesn't like dogs. Dogs um, and babies. <laughs> I, I, there's a little bit of that in me. When I hear that somebody is, unless there's been something traumatic where they were a small child and they were, you know, bitten by a dog or something, and there's, there's a deep-seated fear that comes from an experience, that's completely different. But someone who, who, who just doesn't like them, for whatever reason, I, I'm, I have to say I'm suspicious. You know what? So. I agree with you. And one of the things that I really am wrangled by is when somebody says, oh, he's just a dog. Yeah. No, he's not just a dog. He's my dog. Yeah. Yeah, it's different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's my dog. He, you know, he, he brings meaning to my life. He, he's not just a dog. What is just a dog? Yeah, so you're just, just a human. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, and, and I think to answer your question, I don't think you know everybody's meant to be a pet owner. You know, I mean, either some pet owners out there that shouldn't have pets. Um, yeah. Yeah, but there are some people who I think, if they would, you know, allow themselves the chance to be a pet owner, I think they might be enriched. So. Oh, I um, think so too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that, and that again takes a little bit of uh, you know jumping out there if you've never had a dog before. I I had a, a very good friend in Pennsylvania who had never had a dog before, uh, and when her kids were probably in early teens, they got the first dog they ever got for a, either of them as parents or their children. And she would call me. Prob- and I lived in Chicago. She lived in Pennsylvania. She would call me about every week. And say the dog's doing this. Is that normal? Is the dog doing that? Is that normal? <laughs> <laughs> you know, she would try to because she'd never had him one before. But when that dog passed away, it was oh. an enormous thing for them, and uh, she became a very good, very um, caring pet owner. No question. And, and the hardest part is loving them so much that when they're gone, you know, it's it's very traumatic. Oh, sure. You feel it very deeply. David, we're right up at the end of the show. What's the thought you'd like to leave with the listeners today? Well, that's a tough one. Um, but I, I, I guess, um, and it's really not about pets. It's about challenge yourself, jump out there, do something you're afraid to do. Robert Kennedy used to keep a little quote in his book, in his wallet, that said, do the things you're afraid to do, and I love that. Um, Push yourself, challenge yourself, try something new. Uh, and if that means going and getting a pet and trying to do good for that pet and for you, then maybe that's what you ought to do. Go get a pet, go write a book, you know, get yourself a radio show, you know, <laughs> Just take a, a walk shot. every day. You'd be surprised. <laughs> You'd be, <laughs> You'll be surprised what you can do. You really are. I know that sounds kind of trite and cliche, but you, you can, you'll be very surprised at what can be done. And on that note, we're going to say thank you so much for being with us. David, thank you so much this for being with us today. This has been a delight. Thank you, Irene. I have absolutely loved having you on the show. We'll have to do this again. This is Irene Conlon with my, da- my guest, David Berner, saying thank you so much 
for being with us today. And now go straight out and find yourself a lovely dog, giving him a big smooch on the top of his head, and have a great day. Come back again next week for more of the Self-Improvement Show. Thank you again for joining Dr. Irene Conlon for The Self-Improvement Show. Please listen again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember that improvement out there starts in here.